Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. a great, great week. It was a great, great week. Hey, so glad that you're here. Welcome in the Klein campus. Welcome at the Woodlands campus. Whichever way you're here, we're glad online as well. Glad that you're here. Why don't you take your Bible and we're going to go to Deuteronomy 6 in just a moment, uh, but you can be turning there. It's the fifth book in the Bible. Um, Deuteronomy, and if you need a Bible, just flag down one of the ushers, and they'll be glad to let you have one. So, yeah, it doesn't take very long around here in the culture of Faithbridge to discover 
that we get into kids. That's, that's, a, that's an important aspect um, of what we do around here. Let me start by uh, sharing um, Stanford psychologist, Dr. Alberta Siegel once uh, wrote, when it comes to rearing children, every society is only 20 years away from barbarism. 20 years is all we have to accomplish the task of civilizing the infants who are born into our midst each year. These little savages know nothing of our language, (laughs) our culture, our God, religion, values, customs. The infant is totally ignorant about democracy, civil liberties, respect, tolerance of others, decency, and honesty. The barbarian must be tamed if civilization is to survive. Now, I might tweak a few of the words uh, in how she expressed this, but I, I think the, the essence of what she was talking about is very relevant. Um, putting it into the Christian context, we've got about 20 years to take a little one and infuse into them the life the hope, the love, the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the, the realization that God loved us so much in our sin that he would send his only son, Jesus, who would die on the cross for us after living the life of perfection that we couldn't live that he would die the death of persecution that we deserved and that he would rise triumphantly from the grave, signifying to all of us that we who are connected to him can have life and hope, not only in this existence, not only in this lifetime, but throughout eternity. You got 20 years, really, to get that. Now you say, now some, sometimes people come to faith in their 20s or 30s or 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Yes, but on the whole, the, the, you, you graph it out, and Christian sociologists have, have looked at this. You never have as sweet a window as those first 20 years in an individual's life. That's really where so much of the shaping and so much of the formation uh, has to be happening. And our culture needs that. We need Jesus in people. We need the gospel in people. I don't know about you, but I get a little bit concerned as I watch the news, you know, about the riots in Baltimore not long ago and then the shootings in Dallas this past weekend. And you say, well, you know, my, my kid would never do that sort of thing. I, yeah, but, you know, I just have a sneaking suspicion that probably some of those people's parents would have said the same thing. Something didn't get transferred, though. Something didn't get rooted into them in, in a way that was formative or transformative. And, and, and so the reality is, don't you see, children come to us as blank canvases. And I think that there's a temptation in, in today's society to, for many parents, I hear too often saying things like, well, you know, I don't want to shape my, uh, my kid too much. I don't want to over-influence him too much. I, I want him to be able to make his own choices and, and choose, you know, what he wants to believe or she wants to believe or who, what God they want to believe, you know, these sorts of things. And, and I think to myself, I think that is nonsensical. 
God has given you this little life as a blank canvas. And you need to realize either you put the paint on the canvas or culture will put the paint on the canvas. But either way, culture is waiting to put the paint on the canvas. The question is, who's going to get there first? You got to get in the game here. So how do we uh, do that? Well, it all comes down to one word, discipleship. That's really what it has everything to do with is discipleship. And that's what we're here about, uh, about here at Faith Bridge, taking people and helping them get to know the gospel and then to grow deeper in the gospel, deeper in their faith, in their walk, in their journey with Christ. That's what makes our hearts beat fast around this place, seeing lives saved, souls saved, and lives changed, and disciples made. And that's why we've always placed a huge emphasis on our kids' ministry. Uh, I knew, and I've told you this before, I'll say it again today, I knew when we started the church uh, years ago that if we're going to have a church that reaches people in the suburbs, we're going to have to have a great kids' ministry now, I knew it theoretically because I, back when I started the church, I didn't have a spouse and I didn't have any kids, but I, I had good theory. I knew theoretically, this is what we have to have. And then years later, God gave me a spouse and God gave me kids. And so now I can say I know experientially how very important a kid's ministry like our kid's ministry is. Even the other day, I was reminded of it when we were driving along and somehow the word patience came up in the conversation. And, <clears throat> and, one of the, and I said, do you, do you boys know what patience is? And one of the boys said, yes, dad. Patience is like when you're driving along, going on a trip, and when you don't ask your parents every few minutes, are we nearly there yet? And I said, that's right. How did you know that? He said, because that's what we talked about. That's what they talked to us about the other day in church. And I thought to myself, keep going, son. Keep going. It's working. It's getting into you. So I know experientially as well as theoretically how important kids ministry is. But <clears throat> let's face it, parents. Even the greatest of churches cannot work wonders in your kids without your help. You have to put some skin in the game as well. Why? Because, think about it, we only get them here for an hour, maybe two hours a week. You get them for dozens and dozens and dozens of hours. And so ultimately, the discipleship formation of your kids falls to you. It's your responsibility. We're here to help you, moms and dads. But we can never replace you. You got to be in this game, helping your kids to grow as Jesus did in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and other people. You got to be in the game. You say it's a little overwhelming. Well, t tr trust me, you're not the first parents to come along and have this realization. That's why I wanted to look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter six, because what I want us to see is that parents have been having to try to figure this out and learn about this for 3,500 years. We're gonna go back to the time of the Israelites, that's the Jewish people, when they're getting ready to go into the promised land and uh, God 
foreseeing where they're going to be going and knowing the condition of their hearts and how fickle they might be uh, is going to warn them. And he's going to, he knows, hey, when you go into the promised land, this is going to be a wild and woolly world out there. You're going to go into the land of Canaan and there's going to be seductive women everywhere and there's going to be affluence and there's going to be competing religious systems and different gods. And this is a society that doesn't even know about the Ten Commandments. They've never heard of the Ten Commandments there. And, and so I want us to read at uh, uh, um, what God was going to say to them right here, because I think it's good for us 3,500 years later. Starting in verse 4, chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Then impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. All right, let's stop there, and and I'm going to talk about two principles I see in this text. The first comes from verse 5. What's he say? He says, you, moms and dads, we're not talking about the kids. He's talking about you, mom and dad, grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncle, anybody, grown-ups. He's saying, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. With how much? All he's saying, with all your, scripture never tells us, I want you to love God, just stop, you know, I know you're busy, but if you could sort of squinch a little bit of God in that, that'll be good. No, that's not what he says. He's saying, no, I want, I want your, I want all of you, your heart, your soul, your strength. I want you to come after me, grownups. So let me just pull off to the side of the road and just ask you a question or two. Okay, here's, um, here's what I'd like you to ponder. Moms and dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles. What steps are you taking today to grow closer to God and fuller in your love and devotion to him? Are you in a grow group yet? A discipleship group? Are you still finding yourself saying, yeah, I'm going to get to it. I've just been so busy. How long are you going to say that? Are you taking time daily to read some of God's word or maybe from a devotional classic and to have some time talking with him in prayer? Are are you building in sort of a quiet time or a devotional time in your own journey just so that you can reconnect with him every day? This is important because you can't give away what you don't have. You can't expect to replicate what you're not modeling. It's not going to happen. And so, parents, the first thing I'm saying is the most important thing that you can do to bless your children is to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and, and, and to develop that walk with him. Because you can't expect that your kids are going to follow in the ways of the Lord if they don't see you doing it. If you're not willing to step up and model it, they're not going to conclude it's important for them either. And we only got 20 years or so. Now's the time. That's the first thing. 
Now, I want you to notice, after he says, that's the first thing we're going to focus on, loving him with all your heart and your soul and your strength. Then he moves on in verse 7. And then, impress these things on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. What's he saying here? You need to be integrating all of your conversation needs to be integrated with talk of the things of the Lord and scripture and, and God and the Bible and Jesus and church and what it, what it, you know, what's the Holy Spirit showing you in this type of situation. This isn't something that you reserve just for Sundays from nine to noon. It's not something that you just block out one week a year. We're going to do this VBS and we're going to get excited about Jesus. No, no, no. He's saying do it all the time. What's he say? He says, when you're sitting at home or when you're walking along the road, I'm sure if he was writing today, he'd say, or if you're driving in Houston traffic, or when you're lying down, or when you're rising up, that's pretty much all the time. He's saying, look for every opportunity to get God into your family, into your kids, into your conversation. You know, as you're driving them to sporting events or extracurricular sorts of things, or even just when you're just lying around on a summer afternoon, talk about spiritual things, not just other things. It has to be something that we're bringing into the everyday with our family. So let me pull off again and ask you some questions. Do you spend any time doing devotions with your kids? Do you read to them or with them, particularly if they're younger, from some sort of devotional book like the Jesus Storybook Bible? Or or maybe when they're older, maybe do you share with them? Here's kind of what I felt like the Lord gave me in these verses today. And this is really kind of what I'm going to focus on throughout the day. Are you sharing what God's teaching you, modeling that for them? Um, do you memorize verses with them? Uh, memor- memorization of scripture. I'll always be grateful for the many, many scriptures that I memorized when I was a kid. Because there's something about that, that pliable brain of the little child. It just makes it, memorizing is so hard now. You know, I don't know if you had that, but I am having that experience. It just gets harder and harder. And <clears throat> there's never a, a great opportunity like in those first years. They can just memorize everything. Are you getting scripture into them? You pray with them? You pray for them? You wrestle through spiritual questions that they ask instead of just changing the subject. I don't know what to answer. Well, let's change the subject. Maybe just say, hey, you know, that's a great question. I've always wondered that too, and I don't know, but I bet I can get us the answer. Let me work on that. Are you active here? Again, not just sporadically or one week a year, but regularly faithfully if you say you love the lord with all your heart and you and you don't even make time to worship him on a regular basis you may be kidding yourself but your kids see right through that we had to deal with that in our own family here about a year ago one of my sons was on a baseball team is on baseball he loves all sports and 
who's on a baseball team and the schedule came out for the tournament and, um, and one of the games fell right on Sunday morning. And Suzanne and I were a little irked by that because we'd, we'd always heard this will happen, and, but we never had to deal with it personally. And one of you who, who has taken this journey and coached and all that, and I remember you saying, oh, yeah, you'll deal with that. I said, what would you do? He said, I tended to tell the tournament director we forfeit because uh, we go to church. And the tournament directors never really want a team to forfeit because they want the tournament to function and they work it around. So, so we talked about it and prayed about it, Suzanne and I did. And, um, and the next morning when I was driving William to school, I felt like God gave me the answer. We're driving along and I, and I said, William, do you remember the story of Daniel and the lion's den? He said, yeah, I like that story. I said, do you remember why it was that um, Daniel ended up in the lion's den? He said, no, I don't remember that. Well, let me tell you why it was. Because, see, the king had said, you got to bow down to, you know, this idol, and you're not going to pray to your God and this sort of thing. And, and, and Daniel said, I can't do that. i got to worship God, the one true God. And that's how he ended up in the, the lion's den. I said, son, do you, do you think people today would ever ask you to bow down and worship an idol? He said, no, I don't think so. I said, oh, I don't know. Do you think people would ever ask you to play baseball instead of going to worship God in church? No, definitely nobody would ask that. I said, I don't know, son. As a matter of fact, this week, um, it's going to happen to you because they've scheduled one of your games right during church. And so, what are we going to choose? He said, well... Baseball's pretty good. And I said, yeah, it is pretty good. I said, but let me help you think this through, son. Mom and I have talked about it. We've prayed about it. And, and we've decided here's, here's going to be how our family's going to function. Because you're going to, you love sports and you're going to play them all and it's going to go for years. And this won't be the last time. But here's, here's going to be the way that it works in the Whirlwind home. We offer a 9 o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service. Once we had a five o'clock service, and who knows what we'll have in the future, but this is what we have right now. And the, the policy for the war lines is we're going to be at church for one hour. Okay? So if the game falls at nine, what's that mean? He says, I could play at the game and then go to church at 11. Yeah, as long as it's local, and that'll work. What's a game, what about the game falls at 11? Then I'd go to the nine. That's right. You got it. I said, so how's that feel? He says, that feels right to me. I said, it feels right to us too. So I share that story just to illustrate, <clears throat> you know, you only get these years to, to, to do this formation and to say, hey, here's what our priorities are. And you can say what they are, but, but, but your actions are going to communicate far more than what your words do. Okay, now, <clears throat> at this point, actions trumping words um, let me anticipate two 
concerns, objections that tend to arise when we have this kind of conversation. Every single parent feels what we'll call the awareness of their inconsistencies. Right about now, everybody's like, you know, and, and I'm a bad parent or there's inconsistencies. Trust me, trust me, I know. Because we all have these inconsistencies and all of us have inventoried the things that we've done right and we'd love for our kids to see all those things and we also know about that or we'd like the kids not to know about that. And we're all aware of these inconsistencies. And I think that the devil would love to take any of us, all of us, and, and sort of put us on the bench and convince ourselves, you, you don't have a right to influence this kid because you have so many inconsistencies. I'm gonna challenge you on that to actually own your inconsistencies and even preach from them, preach from your weaknesses. I've learned something over the years and that is when you preach from your weakness, you never run out of good material. And, and, and so I'll illustrate, uh, not very long ago, Suzanne and I were having a conversation and we were sitting in uh, the bedroom and we were on the floor talking and the boys were out in the living room and they were doing something and then, but then it got heated and they started yelling each and kind of going after each other. And I hollered, hey guys, knock it off. And they kept doing it. And finally I poked my head out and said, guys, I'm serious, knock it off, that's enough. Well, they start bringing all that stuff back to the bedroom and they're whining and fussing and yelling. They come back and they sit down on the floor with us. Before they know, I knew, they'd looped us into this. And, and I looked across at Suzanne and I snapped at her and I said something short with her and, and she snapped right back at me and said something back to me. And at this point, the, I noticed the boys have gotten quiet. <laughs> and one of them at this point leans back onto the carpet and he's just cackling. And I, I said, what is so funny? He said, because you and mom are doing exactly what you just told Wesley and me not to do. And I had to own it. At that point I said, okay, so you're right. Mom, I owe you an apology because I shouldn't have said that the way that I just said that. Would you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. And dad, I owe you an apology. She said, because I shouldn't have just replied the way I did and said what I did. And would you forgive me? I said, yes, I will. So there was an inconsistency. They caught us in right there. But you use it. You leverage it. And, and you choose the humble path and say, God, that was embarrassing. But can you please use this so that it could be helpful in their lives? Kids appreciate transparency. Kids appreciate honesty. So go ahead and just preach from the weaknesses. You know, I mean, don't overdo it. But... but <clears throat> Sometimes these opportunities come and you just need to utilize them. One other objection, and that is insecurities. Sometimes when we're talking about parenting, the, the, many parents are like, I just, I feel insecure about trying to, I don't feel insecure about sports. I don't feel insecure about, you know, handyman stuff. I don't feel insecure about, you know, kitchen stuff and cooking. And I, but it's the spiritual stuff. I feel insecure about the spiritual stuff. And I'd rather just, you guys do that at church because you guys are, that's what you guys do. You're good at it. And I don't want to really try that because I might say the wrong thing and botch it up and then they'll end up believing all these weird things. And, and <clears throat> nah, calm down. I'm going to challenge you on that to, 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 to overcome these insecurities and, and particularly get dads. 
I notice it more in men maybe than, than women. I think a lot of times uh, we dads tend to, to say when it comes to spiritual things, that's mom's domain. She'll get the kids to church. She'll do the Jesus stuff, and, and that's all awesome. I'm going to challenge you dads because I think a lot of us pull ourselves out on, on to, you know, uh, the game out of insecurity. I can illustrate from my own personal life, um, even recently, Wesley, he's our older one, has been asking some age-appropriate, sort of prepubescent kind of questions and um, to, to Suzanne. And so she, she, for several months, she, was, she would say, hey, Wesley just brought this up and this up. And, and, and finally, she said, if you haven't noticed, there's a little pattern here. Um, one of your sons is on the cusp of puberty. What are you going to do about that? And... I said, I'm going to pray for you earnestly to have wisdom and God will give it to you. And <clears throat> she said, nope. She said, you need to go and take a retreat with him for a couple of nights. And I said, just with him? And she said, yes. I said, well, can I take the other one too? Because they like to play together and that'll be, no, no, not just you. You need to like eye to eye, soul to soul. You need to talk. Because he's got questions. They're normal questions. You need to start talking about these things with him. He needs to hear it from you, dad. And, <clears throat> and I admit, I was kind of insecure about that. And I was like, for 48 hours? I mean, what, <laughs> what all are we going to talk about? It just feels kind of weird. And, and she said, well, look, I've helped you out a little bit, and I ordered some recordings, some podcasts from Dennis Rainey's ministry called Family Life Today, and there's like six messages, and he'll probably only be ready for about the first two or three, but that, that'll get it going, and then you can do another one maybe in a year or two. And <clears throat> she said, the idea is you just plug and play, and then y'all listen to it together, and then you can process I said, okay, I think I can do that. And <clears throat> so um, I made a reservation for us down in Galveston, and we went there for um, two days and, and two nights. And we don't just sit around and talk about that. So we did all this fun sort of stuff and activities. And the, I think our favorite thing was we, he loves to fish. So we went fishing on the pier at 61st Street, and we fished and fished for hours in the ocean, even till it was dark. And we never fished in the dark and the lights came on. We just thought that was the coolest thing we fished. And then after that was over, we went to the grocery store before we went back to our hotel and we bought some cereal and we went back to the hotel and we ate our cereal together and, and we watched basketball, and, which is his second favorite thing to do, and <clears throat> the playoffs. And, and, um, and that night when I had tucked him in and he was already asleep, I thought about what I'm talking to you today, and it struck me again. I won't always have the opportunity when I'm walking along with him or driving along with him or rising up with him or tucking him in at night to help him uh, think about the things of God and his body and life. And, but I've got now. I got to use now. 
because I won't have forever with him. So, parents, I just, and dads particularly, I just, I share that with you just because maybe it can help you to feel a little bit more secure to know of my insecure. See, it's not hard for me to stand up and talk to hundreds of people, thousands of people. Like, this is easy. But the thought of just talking to one of my sons for extended hours and looking him in the eyes and say, yep, that's what happens. And, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and processing and talking about his faith in Jesus and, and kind of how that integrates into all of it. So there's insecurities um, as well as our inconsistencies. But with God's grace, you can push through those and you can live out what parents have been trying to live out for 3,500 years in the Judeo-Christian tradition, getting that message infused into their kids. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road or when you lie down or when you rise up all the time work that into the conversation and take heart moms and dads you don't have to go it alone we live in a resource rich world I just illustrated that and one of the greatest resources you have is the church that's what we're here to help you to do. Not just moms and dads, but grandparents, aunts, uncles, adults, friends. And you all, all of you interact with little guys and little gals, young people. And that's our calling as followers of Jesus to invest in them. Because we only get so much time. But when it happens, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. It's just, it's, it's so awesome when we see a life changed, a soul saved, a disciple that's made. Like what happened um, here recently. Take a look at the video. Ariana and her family came to Faith Bridge a couple of years ago. They were at another church, and there was so much tension. And uh, it was not very enjoyable with three kids sitting in the pew, and uh, we just walked out of there not getting along. We just sat there. It was, bas- it was really boring. And finally, Vanessa and her husband decided, you know what, let's try another church. One of our friends mentioned going to Faith Bridge. When we tried it, uh, the kids were ecstatic. I mean, we the whole way home, they talked about when we're going back, if we were going to go back tomorrow. And um, so we've been going ever since. Faith Bridge was, wasn't that boring. It was way better. All the fun songs we did, everything that was there was fun, especially the donuts. And Ariana, for the first time, I think experienced true community. Shepherds that loved her, a teacher that was so excited to teach her the gospel and for her to know who Jesus was, that she understood what it meant to be a disciple. It's been 
amazing. I can't believe how much they know right now at at their age. And then we got to learn and actually experience the Word of God. And we can all talk, you know, from 14 to 7 years old. We can all have a conversation about it. That's really where their story, their family story took off, is when they first started coming to Faith Bridge. It's such a big church, I thought, you know, I, I would think my kids are going to get lost with, you know, all the other kids. And Kathleen has always made it a point to um, talk to me and, and point out all the wonderful things that Ariana, you know, has done that Sunday. But, you know, Miss Kathleen just loves on her, and it just I think it just brings out the, the best in her every Sunday. <laughs> My favorite um, memories in kids' ministry are hanging with Miss Kathleen and doing praise and worship with her. She made sure that we were all, that anybody in church, me or any, or any of the other kids, were, all, were always safe and happy. I think my goal is for them to really have an understanding of who Jesus is in their life, that He is a very real person, that He is God, that His love is this powerful force. I want them to go out and tell the whole world who Jesus is. I want them to have the knowledge. Like I want them to know it, not just that He's the Son of God, that He died for our sins, the intricacies of who that person of Jesus was. The fact that she knows so much already, you know, as an 11-year-old, it's it's crazy, it's mind-blowing, but it makes me so proud to hear her talk about it so comfortably. We've just been able to experience so much by, you know, what Faith Ridge has to offer and, and the love and the teachers, and they've been a big part of, of our family. Happiness and fulfillment in life comes from loving God and loving others. In this generation, I have no doubt, will do amazing things because they're not selfish, they're selfless. They love others more than they love themselves. Isn't that sweet? That's sweet. Well, something I want you to notice from the video, um, videos that you've seen today is the dozens, yay, hundreds of volunteer people who make this ministry happen um, here at Faith Bridge. It could not happen uh, just on the paid staff that we have alone, that, not even close. It takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers who would roll up their sleeves and say, you know what, I can help. Two times a month, I can do that. I could be a part of what's um, going on here at Faith Bridge, particularly with young people. Now, let me explain something. Um, if you grew up in a church, and some of you did, that had a sort of a traditional Sunday school for kids, I n know what you experienced. You went into a classroom, and there was a teacher, and like 20 kids, and then they closed the door and locked it, and that teacher was trapped with the kids for <laughs> an hour, you know, and you think, ha-ha, never me. That's not the way that we run it here. Um, as hopefully you've seen, we, we operate with what we call large group, small group. And so at every age level, there's a large group gathering. All the kids are in there together. And there's some people up on the stage, and they do the songs, and they do the teaching, the story, the drama, 
um, whatever it is from scripture that the kids are learning that day. And maybe you're one of those kind of people. You're an upfront person and you can, you could do that. And if so, I'm going to ask you to help. But there's many more of you who are like, mm, I don't think I could be that upfront person. But then what they do after they have the lesson um, for about 20 or 25 minutes, then they get into their shepherd groups. That's just when you're with five, six kids and a grown-up. And there's something very safe about being in a group with a grown-up that you can process with every time that you come to sort of metabolize, here's what we just saw, here's, and here's how we learn that and implement that into our lives. Now, when you put it that way, this is where typically lots of people say, okay, I could do that. In fact, I'll tell you, there was uh, one person I was talking to a while back who said, you know, on a scale from one to 10, she said, I was probably like a three, spiritually speaking, about the Bible and things like that. I knew some stuff, but I didn't know very much. And so, but I signed up and I said, I'll help. And I became a shepherd group leader and da, 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 da. And I realized now I like probably more like a six. And a lot of it is because I signed up and I would serve and because I wanted to be ahead, I would always like read the Bible ahead where the story was going because I, I wanted to like have it in my brain. And that has actually helped me to grow stronger in my walk. Okay. And so um, I'm saying all this because I need to say these four words. I need your help. Lots of you because the ministry just keeps getting larger and larger to kids. And that means we've got to have more and more grownups who would say, I'll get in the action. Moms and dads, sure. Grandparents, absolutely. Aunts and uncles, sure. Single people, absolutely. Um, some of you are teachers and, and you just really do the kid thing awesome and you know, bring that in. And, and um, doesn't matter what, and men, let me just make a little plug for men. Even this past week, one of my kids in his VBS group, his, his counselor, his shepherd group leader was a man. And then there was a teenage boy. Uh, and so there was the two of them. Um, and I just thought, that's so awesome. Why? Because kids need men to be telling them about Jesus, not just women. Okay? So I'm talking to you men as well. Take this card. It's in your bulletin right now. I'm not moving on. You take it, all right? <laughs> Open up. <laughs> Open up and pull it out. It says, uh, kids, ministry, it's colorful. It's not very thick. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you say yes to at least having a phone call just to have a conversation, okay? You're not signing your life away in blood here. You're just saying, I'd have a conversation, about maybe I could jump in this next year and I could be helpful. Some of you are like, I already do it. Well, great, just keep doing it, okay? Others of you, you say, I didn't come here this morning thinking maybe I would do this. But some of you are even now thinking, am I getting ready to sign up for kids ministry? That's the weirdest thing. I, do it, that's the Holy Spirit, all right? Follow his promptings, be faithful. Write your name down, write your number down, all that information. And what you could do is you could just kind of say, here's, I think, the, the sort of the emphasis maybe. And let me remind you also, not just the large group, small group, shepherd kind of thing I was explaining, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that has to happen as well. 
if you haven't thought about it, we have all these little like bed sheets on the little cribs that have to get taken to people's homes and washed and folded and ready to put back on the beds the next week. And like lots of them. And so even if you're a behind the scenes person, you're like, I don't know if kids would really, I, I don't know, but I can do that. We'll sign up and tell us, hey, I can be, I can be helpful in that capacity. Okay, you work on that. I'm gonna give you uh, just about 20 seconds and you'll be working on that and then we'll wrap it up. Thanks, you guys. Let me say a prayer for us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come today and um, to talk about kids. Uh, how true it is that uh, well, they are the future. And they're not going to get the truth of your word, the hope of the gospel in them. Uh, unless people are deliberately leading them there. And so my prayer is, God, that we would be a culture here at Faith Bridge of impassioned, Jesus-following, Bible-believing disciples who invest not just in our own spiritual growth and formation, but particularly in this next generation as they're coming along. Thanks, God, for the many powerful things and wonderful things that you have done and for the things that you're going to do in the months and years ahead as we move into this next school year. And so, Lord, we just um, ask your blessings upon all the things that are happening even now um, on this campus with kids and even in the hearts of people right now hearing my voice. And we just ask, God, that you would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in the lives of many, many kids. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group Director, and I'm here with Kelly Hickey, our Kids Ministry Director. And we just had a special Sunday where we celebrated VBS, and Pastor Ken brought a great message about loving God by loving your kids. Welcome, Kelly. Hi. Hi. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you for all you and your team and everyone um, does for the kids. It was just amazing to celebrate today. And I'm glad you're here because we're going to talk through some practical steps um, you know, Ken laid out very well why we need to yes. disciple our children. And so just, just hear from you to give some ideas of where do we start? Right. Well, I think one thing that parents sometimes do is they wait too long to start. Not that there's ever a point where you say, oh, it's too late. I, I've missed out. I should have already been doing things. But even from the time that they're little bitty, before they have words, we should be modeling for them what it looks like 
to be turning to God and worshiping Him and praying to Him. Um, we've seen time and time and time again, little bitty kids who have very few words be able to truly, truly worship mm -hmm. Jesus or pray to Him with babble that we don't understand. <laughs> and it ends with an amen. Like they need to understand that there is a big God that mom and dad surrender to mm -hmm. and whose authority mom and dad are under. Mm -hmm. So we just start when they're little itty bitty by telling them the truth that God made you and God loves you. And He's the one that we go to. He's the one that we go to when we're scared or sad or happy or excited or whatever, whatever we're feeling. They need to see us having a relationship with God. Okay, so if I'm um, not as comfortable with the Bible or mm -hmm. feel maybe not equipped, what's a great resource? Where can I start walking with my children or helping them with that? Right, well, who is initially mm -hmm. comfortable? We're all on a journey together, right? The Jesus Storybook Bible is an amazing book. It's an amazing resource and it puts truths of God's Word into such a way that everyone can understand them. Mm -hmm. And I would just really sort of encourage parents, you don't have to know all of the answers. You don't, don't not have the conversation because you don't know all of the answers. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to have everything all figured out and be living this perfect, sinless life because only Christ did that. All you have to do is just be real and authentic because kids see through everything else and just sort of uh, go on the journey with them. I know there was one dad who uh, decided to get into discipleship because his three-year-old was coming home just knowing things about the Bible and understanding things about God. And he wanted, mm -hmm. he wanted to be taught too. So feed yourself and then feed your family. Awesome, great, great tips. Okay, so I know um, you have the curriculum that they're learning here on mm -hmm. Sunday, and mm -hmm. as Pastor Ken so reminded us that one hour a week is a great time to worship and be together, but right. it is not the foundation that you can lay at home with all the hours that you are with sure. your children. Um, so how can we as parents support what you're teaching them mm -hmm. in the class and carry that out through home. How do we do that? Well, first of all, find out. We want them to come. We do want them here for that one hour a week. We mm -hmm. do want them here. Bring them and then you go and have your time with God at church. Go join a small group mm -hmm. and then uh, have time with God. But what we want is for the kids just to go home and talk about what they're learning at church. And if they're not talking about what they're learning about at church, ask them. And if you still don't get an answer, ask us mm -hmm. and we'll tell you. These are the conversations. We're talking about obedience. Isn't that something that any mother could yes. use every Hallelujah. minute of the week? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, find out what we're talking so that we can support what's happening already in your household. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you to your staff everyone who serves just for all that you do to build into the lives of our children. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.